Welcome to Make It Kick-Ass, where we help leaders of growing communities bring their people together with purpose and lasting impact. Join us as we explore how to make events engaging, exciting, energizing, and profitable so that you can build a healthy, sustainable community. I'm Isaac Watson, founder and lead strategist at Kick-Ass Conferences. And I'm Nessa Jimenez, operations manager at Kick-Ass Conferences. Now let's make it kick-ass together. We're back, we're back, we're back with another episode of Make It Kick-Ass. Hey, Nessa, how you doing? Hi, Isaac, I'm doing great, how are you? Good. Um, I am kind of fired up after this interview we just had with Jordan Hales. That was a really fantastic conversation. I uh, I mean, if you haven't heard it yet, go back and listen to it. What are you doing here? Um, because it was, it was just, ugh. I never regret having a conversation with Jordan. She's just so thoughtful and intentional, and I'm very uh, glad to have had her on the show to talk about all things about her dance ambassadorship, about m music and movement and storytelling and all kinds of stuff in between. We even talked about uh, you know, colonial uh, influences on yeah. our work ethic. <laughs> what? Yeah, okay, so yeah. go back and listen to that. We're going to go a little bit deeper and uh, carry on some of these threads that we pulled out from the last episode. Um, so uh, I don't like. I'm still just. I'm kind of. Um, I used to hate the word, but I'm a little gobsmacked <laughs> by just like. Ah, damn, that was good. So, uh, what do you what do you it think? Was, what was your reaction it was, to it? It was. It was an amazing conversation, and it's always great to talk to Jordan. I always feel like when when I get the chance to talk to her, I'm able to have conversations at a different level than with yes. other people. I feel like we get so deep into everything, and it's just so satisfying because we're 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 on the same level, on the same page. So I, I just love spending time with her and talking about anything, to be honest. But <laughs> especially yes. like talking about her work, and she is so she, she is so like dedicated to it, and an advocate and an artist, and it's amazing. And I think with with this conversation, uh, especially the question that she asked was like, how do we be, who do we become as a result of our conferences? And like, ugh, that's so, such a good, it's so good. <laughs> so good because it's such a simple question, but we could go down a rabbit hole with that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and ultimately I think that in the work that we're doing, that's what we're trying to get to. Right. So forget about logistics, forget about, the actual things that we're doing, our intention is that the like the transformation of changing people throughout that experience. It, I mean, yes, this is the whole reason we start with strategy. And I, like, yes, I know strategy is not sexy, but like, we have to be thinking about what we want the attendees to do when they leave. Right. Like who, who have they become? What are, what experience are we creating for them? What moments are they sharing? What is changing about who they are or how they approach their work or their life or whatever the, the topic of the conference is, 
we have to be thinking about what comes next if we're going to design something that's useful. And I love that Jordan was able to just tie that up into such a beautiful little bow because that is just, I mean, that is a question that we all need to be asking. And if you leave an event that we produce and you are exactly the same as when you arrived, I feel that that's a failure. The the whole point that we're coming together, something should be happening. I'm not going to tell you what, right? It all depends on the audience and what we're doing. But something, some sort of change, some sort of addition, something should be happening while you're with us. And that's, that's just the great question. To even start with with strategy, right? Starting an event, starting to think about wanting to bring people together. What are, what do we want to do? What change are we trying to make happen for these people? And if we can't think of an answer, then that m- might not even be worth doing, to be honest, right? Yeah. Uh, she said something interesting, which was that uh, something to the effect of, you know, people are not going to remember specific words that you said. They're not going to remember... Um, necessarily who was on stage, but they will remember how you made them feel and how they related to the other people. Something I'm totally paraphrasing off of that, but, um, that, that impact is what we're, what we're searching for here, especially with community oriented events where it really is about the people who are there. It's not about, you know, teaching a particular skill set or, um, you know, having some like highfalutin, uh, speaker come in and dazzle everybody. Um, it has to be focused on the outcome and the impact that you have on the human beings that are there to witness what you've created. And the way we get there is by bringing people in, right? Accepting their full humanity. Uh, Jordan touched on this, uh, um, letting them be people, full people, not just a part of a person, right? Not just an employee, uh, not just an attendee, but bringing in their full humanity into the event and playing with that. Um, I want to get your thoughts on that particularly, because (sighs) I know she's so good at that. But I feel like we also share kind of that, that vision and that goal absolutely there's there's a uh an aspect of inclusiveness and inclusion in what we do there's there's like the i mean this kind of goes back to this puritanical ideology around control of self and restraint and professionalism and um you know all these things that that late stage capitalism are shoving down our throats um but we we need to be reminded that we are first and foremost human beings and we are here gathered with other people and we are here to share in a moment uh, of time together and hopefully we come out of it changed or improved or bettered or whatever that is and the big thing that stood out to me as she was talking about the movement and the dance uh, work that she does with audiences is giving them permission to be themselves giving them permission to move giving them permission to act differently than they think they are allowed to right because like there's some like um you know o- overarching overshadowing um code of conduct that says you must be buttoned up and clap when the presenter's done and sit straight in your chair and just be a robot right yeah um, the the unspoken rules the assumptions that that people come in with definitely exactly and 
I, I think that this is, I, I love that she brought that up. This is, this is true across a lot of workplace behaviors in particular. Um, I've had the, the roller coaster of privilege of being self-employed for 10 plus years. Um, so I'm very disconnected from the corporate world. Um, but I saw like it, it's these little moments where like just the other day I was on LinkedIn and everybody really hates being on LinkedIn. But and I was just like, you know what? This is bullshit. And I just start typing. I'm like, make make LinkedIn fun again. But not again. It never was. It was make never LinkedIn fun. fun. <laughs> um, like, why can't we bring personality? Why can't we bring our whole selves and be a little silly? Like, this is like a place for professional networking. But like, if all you're doing is networking with robots who act the same way mm -hmm. and who type the same things with their thought leadership and their industry experience and their recommendations of other people, then it's all just monotonous garbage in the end. And so like, let's, let's add a little flavor to it. What's that going to hurt? Is it, is that really going to cost you a job because yeah. you said something funny, I, you know? Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I'm sure there's sociologists that have studied this and could give us an answer, but where this idea comes from to be professional, you have to be boring and compartmentalized and you are not allowed to be full human. Don't rock the boat. Humanity. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's, it's so limiting and so boring and so anti-human, um, like earlier in the season when we talk to Tara. Yeah, it really is. Um, I think the important thing for me, especially as I think about the work that we do and, and as we work with our clients is that as hosts and producers, it is our responsibility to consider the needs of the attendees and to craft an experience that serves them and gives them an opportunity to, to, express or rediscover or get in touch with their own humanity and the humanity of others. And I think that that is just this underlying foundational aspect of what we do. It's part of why we do the types of events we do, because at the end of the day, it's about the people that are there. Mm -hmm. It's not about anything else. And creating space for that and for people, like Jordan mentioned the fact that people look for the spaces with the least amount of judgment or that she looks for the spaces mm -hmm. with the least amount of judgments. And I think that as event producers or maybe people listening to us as event hosts, that is part of our job to create that space, right? And to define, define the, those, I don't want to say limits, but the borders, I guess is mm -hmm. a better word, uh, of where this can happen and what this means uh, for people and what they can do. Uh, and, and Jordan, as an MC, she's really good at, at playing that part as well of uh, creating a space with, with less judgment and letting people feel safer and freer. But I think that's the job of everybody on the production team or, or on the event side, I think. Yeah. Um, we... Um... 
you know, we often see this when we do like uh, structured networking activity mm -hmm. or uh, something where we're trying to get the audience to participate. And, and you can kind of d define what where the box is and the parameters of the box. Um, but you can't force people to engage in a certain way. You have to respect their desire to participate. Jordan talked about this with people choosing to turn off their cameras at a virtual event, right? Right. Um, and I think this also plays into that moment I had in the interview where I was thinking about uh, being in a in a, in person where you're part of a sea of the backs of everybody's heads, right? And so nobody's looking at you directly yeah, versus yeah. looking at a screen where everybody's faces are staring back at you uh, and feeling like you're seen. Um, and that can change the the degree to which you want to participate in something like that. the 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 point of the work that she does and the other aspects of what we do is not to force people out of their comfort zone and force them to participate because along with that comes some judgment saying, Oh, you are not doing this right. Here's the way it's supposed to be done. Even if that's uncomfortable, the point is to create the space where they feel okay and vulnerable and, like they can express themselves and then they have the freedom to choose whether to engage in that. And that's, I think where that magic happens, that those are the moments where you've created the safe zone, you've set the parameters, you've included people, you've welcomed everybody, you've invited them to participate, but it is them who chooses to engage or not, or to which degree they're going to engage. And that's part of what makes it really inclusive. And that's, that's a, a needle you got a thread because yes. I hate events where they want to make you like you have to participate you have to do the thing I, I think I'm sure we've all gone to at least one where there was an activity and, and the host was like no you have to do it and that right? that oh that makes everything just awful <laughs> like it doesn't and, matter how amazing the rest of the event is just yes. with you doing that like I'm out and and We've seen this with our clients when we've pitched ideas on on activities before. Um, I've experienced this too, and yet there is a that needle to be thread threaded threaded thread the needle is um, <laughs> is so like there's a fine line between nudging people to the edge gently and encouraging them versus forcing them into it. And yeah. some people like me as a more, as an extrovert presenting introvert, um, it, like I appreciate having a little bit of structure around an opportunity to engage with someone. So like we talk about networking, um, years ago, there was this, um, networking event that we, that I put on for the maker community where we, the structure we added was that the, the whole point was to introduce makers to buyers like retail buyers and they we did a speed dating style you had three minutes you got pitched and you moved around and it was just like it was lightning fast and it was structured but everybody opted into it who wanted to participate right so they already gave their permission that they were going to do it and you set the rules and for the most introverted or shy or whatnot like you had your three minutes and that was it and i was shouting in the megaphone the entire time <laughs> 
<laughs> having the time of my <laughs> life doing it. Um, and, and yet like the feedback we got out of that was, Oh, thank you so much. There's no way I could have made that many connections in such a short amount of time. I got to craft my pitch. I got to hone, uh, in on some feedback from people really quickly. Like that, that's the right amount of structure. Whereas if you're just like, if you say, Hey, Hey everybody come to my party and they all come to the party and then you're like, okay, now we're going to play Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. <laughs> and you're all in and you can't leave until your character dies. It's like, like oh, that's no. not okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that's not how this works, right? You have to give them permission. You have to give them permission to be themselves and you have to give them the freedom to choose to engage with that. Yeah. I used to be in a D&D game where the dungeon master like would make us stay for like over five hours sometimes oh like six hour sessions and and it, it, we all just like bounced after a point we were like i can't keep doing this like this is just way too much yeah he was like way too into it <laughs> we were like yeah we want to have fun but not after like five hours it feels like we're trapped like we're your prisoners it's not fun anymore yes yes uh, so totally can read and yeah and like i think the people who do that well are the people who make it look easy like jordan we talked about how effortless this seems to us from her and to some extent it's a it's a talent and a gift that she's honed and and a muscle that she's exercised over time but she puts so much work into it behind the scenes she has cultivated and curated that um you know music library that i'm infatuated with <laughs> um yeah and and knows that music really well to be able to read the vibe and to be able to choose a song that's going to resonate with the crowd um and that's the same thing with what we do like we work really really hard behind the scenes to in some regards it's kind of a shame because the attendees just like think it's so easy and effortless and whatnot but that's the point like that's we want to reduce friction for the people experiencing the event so that they can be the best people they can be at it. It takes a lot of work to make something like what Jordan does look so easy. And we do want the audience to not have to worry about all the behind the scenes stuff that has to happen to create those moments. Yeah. But I think it is important to know the intentionality required every step of the way way before you get to a venue way before you even sell a ticket to create a space for special things to happen mm -hmm. um, it's an art it's a science and Jordan has been doing this for years you know she wasn't born like knowing all these things right she shared with us how she got into it uh, it it, it it kind of sucks because it's underappreciated, all the yeah. work that goes in. But also the point is that we want to create spaces for the people that are there. It's not about us in the background, right? Like we yeah. amongst ourselves, we can enjoy. <laughs> we can have that whole conversation. But let the attendees um, get what they came here for, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, I... I and with one of these days, you're gonna like jump Jordan and like steal her her music library because every time you talk to her, you always bring. <laughs> I just it's like um it's like if you know someone who has like a really solid collection of music, like say they have a bunch of records or something, and you just want to go over to their house and just pilfer, just like you know explore stuff and like mm -hmm. let's put on this, mm -hmm. oh let's put on that. I just I just want to spend. 
a day or maybe a week or maybe a year with Jordan just exploring her music collection and learning what she's learned and where she's traveled. I loved that thought of uh, traveling through time and and geography and culture, um, which which brings me to my last um, thing that I want to talk about. And I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this. We got into a little bit toward the end there. Um, talking about Jordan's cultural background and other non, I guess I would call them like pre-colonial or pre-Columbus, um, mm. cultural relationships to dance. Um, something about that stuck with me. And I, I had been thinking about it all throughout that interview and I just had to bring it forward because so much, again, going back to like giving permission and this uh, capitalist mindset around work that we have, um, there's so much cultural depth globally around dance. And I would love to hear your thoughts around your own relationship to dance um, and if you had one. Maybe you didn't. I don't know. Mm. I, mine was was very weird, um, coming from a, a deeply religious background. Um, but uh, I, I want to dive into that a little bit more. Tell me, tell me what what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, uh, sure. So Jordan and I actually had an opportunity to have this conversation once, like a couple of years ago. But we kind of got to the point where we were talking about why do audiences think that bringing dance into an event is so weird or so out of place <laughs> when historically uh, dance has always been part of important events. Yes. Uh, I, I'm Puerto Rican from Puerto Rico. The, the Taino people are from uh, the indigenous people of Puerto Rico. And in all of their important ceremonies, their cultural events, their um, uh, like coming of age things with, with their tribes dance was always an essential component of that and there are many indigenous communities where all of their important ceremonies and their like negotiating with other tribes to end a war all of these things involved dance and it was extremely important to have the dance and for the community to participate in that dance right i'm not talking about it's just a fun party of course they did that as well mm -hmm. dance to celebrate but dance has always been a essential part of important ceremonies for indigenous peoples and, and, and of storytelling right storytelling right. was very deeply incorporated into that right and to see how through history we can talk about how christopher columbus and all of his people came into the new world and did their best to like destroy these practices and these cultures and these things and, and to the point where today we see dance as it's just fun it's just silly it doesn't mean anything right or only certain types of dance have uh cultural significance mm -hmm. like ballet is important but uh you know, rappers and people dancing to rap music, like, that's not, right? Uh, yeah, so we got into that and how dancing and, and the movement of body at events has always been a thing, and it's always been an important thing, and we've lost that, so we have an opportunity to bring that back. Yes. I, I think even looking at, like, more modern American history in the 20th century, 
and seeing the movements, the shift from, um, uh, I'm not a music historian, uh, so I may be getting some of this wrong, um, but like the rise of rock and roll in particular, mm. which was appropriated from black American culture. Um, mm -hmm. and, but was then, you know, puritanically viewed as this like music of the devil. Uh, it mm -hmm. was teeming with sex and drugs and this, that, and the other, um, it felt the same way about jazz, which also originated, uh, with in black American <laughs> culture. Yeah. Hmm, that's interesting. Yeah, and, uh, a pattern there. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, and, and just seeing how, um, our, are the American cultural view on popular music started and shifted and changed as, as we go. And even to this day, like, um, I mean, I remember when in the, was it the late nineties or the early two thousands, there was a lot of controversy over what constituted having explicit labels put on lyrics Right. Like what is actually explicit versus what isn't? This is probably tied to media in general with the Motion Picture Association of America ratings and how those have shifted over the years. Um, and just this this um, moral policing that our culture really likes to uh, imbue upon the content that is created out there in the world. And this, this has gone on into technology and is still an issue today. Um, but I feel like that a lot of that had influence over how dance and expression of movement was viewed at a time when the country was really coming into its own from a moral standpoint. And, and, and this, this notion, I, this is a totally a tangent, but like, um, you know, if, if America was supposedly this massive cultural melting pot, somehow all of these really vibrant, incredible storytelling techniques and practices and movements and celebrations and stuff like all of that was erased in the process in favor of this white Anglo-Saxon puritanical capitalist, uh, approach to self-control. So don't do that. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, we're now we're at a point where people go into conferences and they feel weird and they yes. can't dance. And it's, you, you know, all of that leads to this moment where we're not allowed to have fun and we're trying to figure out like why, like yes. what happened. Uh, so in some, don't do that. Uh, let dance be okay. Give people the permission to move. Hire Jordan for your stuff. Like she's not a secret and she is available. <laughs> yes, she's incredible. And, and appreciate, yeah, and appreciate how body movement—it's not just a silly thing. I think that's also something that <laughs> that we should point out. Where this use of body movement—it's yes, it's fun, but there's also other important things at play beneath the surface. It can be serious. It can be grief. It can be. It. I think that's what is so key to me is that movement and dance can embody every single human emotion possible and that's part of why it's so beautiful and i think that's part of why we need it
Thanks for listening to this episode of Make It Kick-Ass. We hope you found it entertaining and helpful. If hosting a community event is on your radar, visit GetEventLab.com to take our free 30-minute training called Community Event Mastery. That's GetEventLab.com or use the link in the show notes. Make It Kick-Ass is hosted by Isaac Watson and Nessa Jimenez. Post-production audio by Chris Nelson at Mittens Media. Our theme song is Feel It by Dojo for Crooks. Make It Kick-Ass is a production of Kick-Ass Conferences, an event strategy and design agency serving leaders of growing communities.